0: This is TSC Now, a podcast from the TSC Alliance. Hello and welcome to TSC Now. I'm your host, Dan Kleim. As a special bonus episode, I wanted to share a conversation I had earlier in the year with Kristen Moore. Kristen and her husband Douglas live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and welcomed their TSC warrior, Jackson, to the world in 2019. Jackson was diagnosed with TSC when he started having seizures at seven weeks old. He underwent laser ablation brain surgery at 17 months. Kristen is a fierce advocate for Jackson and is committed to raising awareness, advocating, and fundraising for a better future, services, research, and ultimately a cure for him and others in the TSC community. Kristen currently serves as the vice chair of the TSC Alliance of the Carolinas, and the Step Forward to Cure TSC walk chair for the Carolinas. And earlier this year, Kristen was honored as a Volunteer of the Year during our Volunteer Leadership Summit in Washington, DC. I was really inspired to hear Kristen's story and how she dedicates her time to the TSC Alliance in honor of Jackson. And I'm excited to share it with you now. Here's my conversation with Kristen. So Kristen, thank you so much for talking to me today and and sharing your story.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So to start, maybe tell me a little bit about your family's journey with TSC so far.
1: My son Jackson is about to be four and our journey started when he was seven weeks old. He's our first child and we had no signs during pregnancy. Everything with pregnancy was normal. They never found anything on our scans. And I did notice when he was born that there were some weird skin markings that I kept asking about. And I was assured multiple times that everyone has birthmarks. They're just birthmarks. We'll look at them, but they're fine. But when he was seven weeks old, his left arm started shaking. And, you know, we were first time parents and our first thought, was not seizure we thought wow that's a really weird baby movement (laughs) because newborn babies make a lot of weird movements anyways but it happened again and this time it was more pronounced and his head also shook a little bit his eyes I feel like with seizures you always kind of see things in the eyes that are happening My best friend is a nurse. So I messaged her a video and she said, Kristen, that looks like seizures. You need to take Jackson to the ER. And I kept thinking like, this will go away. This can't be anything. I had heard of like seizures from fevers, but he wasn't sick. There was nothing that really would tie to that. We took him to the ER the, the neurologist that was on call happened to be in the pediatric ER at that time, and I showed her the videos on my phone, and she said, You're, "We're admitting you immediately. This is this looks like a seizure." So they admitted us, and they did this first EEG, just a forty-five minute EEG. And seizures showed on that too, which is good looking back now that they could see it clearly. And they said, all right, we got to do an MRI. So they did his MRI. By this point, it was like later in the day, mm-hmm. they said, we'll give you your results in the morning can stay overnight. And we're first time parents and he's, not even two months old. And we're just like, what is happening? Of course, they leave us in the room overnight, we can't sleep. Mm -hmm. We're googling on our phone, like every possible scenario. But TSC was not mentioned at that point at all, something I'd never heard of. And then the next morning, they came in, the neurologist came in and said, She had a piece of paper and she handed it to me. And it was a printout from the TSC Alliance website describing what TSC is. And the website, you know, this is... And she said, we're pretty sure Jackson has this. we can do genetic testing, but all signs are pointing to this. He has tubers in his brain, more than we can count. We need to do additional testing for other organs in his body and, you know we're going to leave you with this to read and gather your thoughts and questions. And we'll come back and answer questions for you. And we were just shocked. I mean, like our first question was, okay, what medicine do we need? What do we have to do to fix this? Like, how do we fix this? She said, well, there's no cure. So it was just shocking. You know, it kind of came out of left field for us and really changed our life. I was about to finish my maternity leave and go back to my full-time job and seizures weren't getting under control. I mean, we were starting to add meds. We were finding TSC clinics around us and trying to figure out where we should be to manage this care. They didn't find anything at that time in his heart or kidneys or you know we had some skin findings when his teeth started coming in he's had some issues with his teeth not really quite dental pits but hyperplasia is what they call it so it's just very weak enamel but since then other things have emerged with his kidneys with cysts and things like that but we had to figure out where to get care so we tried all these meds And about two months of trying different meds, we thought seizures were under control. But every EEG we got was also showing a dozen to two dozen subclinical seizures on every 24-hour EEG. we were getting them like every six to eight weeks at that point trying to manage the seizures. And we didn't really understand what subclinical meant. And that meant like we couldn't physically see something happening on the outside, but the EEG was showing his brain firing off and seizures were showing clearly on the EEG, but we weren't seeing something outward. But he was still having like one to two clinical seizures too. But then the clinical seizures got under control. So we thought we were okay. But between all that, I decided to not go back to my full-time job. I felt like I couldn't put Jackson in childcare with seizures going on. And that was a really, really hard decision to Make, but I kind of felt like I had no choice because I had to care for him. Who else could do it? So, right around all this time was when the pandemic was starting to happen. And so, we were like, Do we keep going in for EEGs? Like, do we really need them? It seems like seizures are under control. Maybe these subclinical seizures aren't a big deal because we can't see it. But over time, things started to change and we started noticing Jackson really plateauing, like, he wasn't progressing. And like, he had. Kind of started babbling when he was like three to four months. And then it just like went away. So then we said, you know, he's getting closer at this point. This is during the pandemic starting. He kind of took a pause from getting EEGs. And he was getting close to a year old. And we're like, this isn't good. Like he's not progressing. He's not, you know, wasn't even attempting to crawl. You know, he couldn't really... mimic anything. There was just, you know, and I really, I just had to stop looking at milestones because nothing was being hit. And I was like something's wrong here. So we started trying to be a little bit more aggressive. Whereas before we were very conservative. We were like, we don't want him to be on tons of meds. We don't want him to have brain surgery. We don't want to do these things. The idea that was like foreign to us, the idea of traveling for care was foreign to us. We thought we live in a bigger city with a lot of healthcare options. We have what we need here. But in reality, with a rare disease like this, that might not be true. You know, to get to a true expert, it really could be anywhere. And it really... I mean, they're not going to necessarily just be in a big city where you might think for cancer, you go to the biggest cities, the biggest hospitals to really find a specialist or an expert. You just have to find the people that have devoted their careers to this. So that meant we were going to travel where we needed to go. So at that point, I learned from a lot of the other parents in the community, from watching webinars from the TSC Alliance, trying to look at research studies that were available that we needed to pursue surgery because... Jackson seizures were not stopping and subclinical seizures were not something we should ignore because it was becoming clear. I wish we hadn't waited, but it was becoming clear that it was stalling his development. And then about halfway through all of that, clinical seizures also came back. So we were playing the med game at this point. And all of his EEGs were showing pretty clear seizure starting point. Like everything showed the seizure starting from the same plate, same area of his brain. And we were just, you know, we had failed several meds. So we said, all right, we need to pursue this. So we started that process. It took a while. It takes a long time to do all the evaluations you have to do for surgery to make sure you're a candidate. It required us to travel halfway across the country, raise funds to make it happen. But ultimately, we ended up being a candidate for laser ablation surgery after a stereo EBG, where they could see really more in depth about what was happening in his brain and really confirm where the seizures were starting exactly. And so when he was 17 months old, he had laser ablation surgery and it did stop all the subclinical seizures. It did stop his daily seizures. He has since then a few status seizures that have been from fevers and that's been scary. acquired ambulance and ER and seizures that lasted 20 to 45 minutes. But, you know, knock on wood, it's, it hasn't happened since 2021. I think we finally got his meds right. We had the surgery. We follow, we look at every study that the TSC Alliance shares, any research studies to see if the vaccine's eligible. So he's participated in multiple studies, including the Baby Bib study, the JETS or JASPER study. We're about to start the Rainbow study. So a lot of these are about intervention and monitoring, you know, seeing if they can pinpoint autism earlier, seeing if they can apply certain interventions to help with development and engagement and regulation and behaviors. So, you know, we've seen a lot of progress. He was diagnosed with autism in early 2022. So we have been pursuing all of the additional supports around autism, getting the additional therapies for that. And everything is slow. Everything is slow, but we are seeing progress. And to us, that's like, a we see little miracles every day. It's been a hard journey. And I don't know if it'll ever get easier, but we get stronger, I guess, and we learn more of how to manage it. So that's kind of where we are right now, just figuring out, you know, he's going to be going into preschool. We're trying to figure out the best fit for him to get the supports that he needs. And we're just trucking along with the hours and hours of therapies that we do, and just trying to give him the best life that we can.
0: You mentioned that part of making that decision to seek the surgery route came from being able to talk to other parents who have gone through that journey. From that initial diagnosis, how long was it before you were able to connect with another parent who... Had a Cloud with TSC. And what was that like to be able to find those peer-to-peer resources? It
1: was amazing. I will always be so thankful for the moms back in the 70s that helped form the TSC Alliance. It's the power of these parents coming together. I can't imagine what it was like before the internet and not having that community online because I honestly don't know if I could get through without that. I mean, I talk to people in the TSC community daily through text message, through Facebook. That has become my new family. But when we got the diagnosis, it was the next day because I was given the TSC Alliance website. I called the TSC Alliance. I talked to staff members. They provided resources to me. I think they may have mentioned like, Search TSC and tuberous sclerosis on Facebook, see what groups you can find. And that's how I found a lot of groups, like ones that are in my state and the mommy's group, and ones that are, you know, there's a a big discussion group. It's like a global one. And I just started requesting to join. And I posted the next morning, like, we're so confused, we're lost, like can anyone guide us, like we're first time parents, we don't know what to do. And there was so much outreach. I talked to moms the next day, people got on the phone with me, people were sending me video messages, sending me pictures of their kids telling me don't give up hope. So I think for probably all of us that have been through this diagnosis process, you grieve, you're grieving for a long time, you know, and even now it's been almost 4 years daily i am battling between like grief and joy like finding joy in the things that Jackson is achieving and how happy he can be. And then just the grief of what we won't have that everyone in this world just expects you'll have when you have kids. So it's a constant battle between those two. But, you know, I think we all say this is, uh, you know, it's the best community we wish we never weren't a part of. But we're so thankful we have it. And I did. I got support that that day. And I still talk to a lot of the people that I met. Online that day. And since then, I've gotten to meet multiple people in person. You know, anytime we have traveled for studies or medical care, we post, we're going here and we try to meet up with other families. I honestly, it's become my family to have that a community.
0: After dealing with feeling overwhelmed from that initial diagnosis and trying to gather as much information as you can and seeking the different treatment options for Jackson, at what point did you reach a point where you decided? Hey, I want to give back. I want to volunteer. I want to help support this community.
1: I will say it was a good six months of like really breathing. Like I felt like I cried every day, you know, having a little baby that's seizing is just really hard. But somehow I turned a corner and you know I had to, I, I said earlier how I I had to decide to leave my full-time job, which was something I did not plan to do. I was very career driven before I had Jackson. And, you know, looking back now, it has all worked out, I think the way it was supposed to. I work in PR and marketing. So I was able through networking and connections I have to find freelance and consulting opportunities. After those six months, I really needed that time to gather myself. But then I slowly started taking on freelance work. And looking back, I'm realizing too that I have skills that I can give to help Jackson and the TSC community. So I kind of took all that energy I've been putting into my career for so long. And I put that energy into my family and into this community because I want to make Jackson's life better. I want to help him reach his fullest potential, whatever it is. And I want to help others in the TSC community do that as well. And so right after he was diagnosed was before the pandemic, that fall before the pandemic, and there was a TSC walk in our community. And I just wasn't in a place where I felt like I could be with everyone. Like I, I, I didn't want to see other people. I didn't want to talk about it. It was like I was in denial. And so I just wasn't ready for that. So it probably just took a year or so. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do the virtual walk in 2020. And I did as much as I could to raise money for the step forward to cure TSC walk virtually. Then I did that again, you know, and I got a t-shirt and I started doing fundraising things. And it was really exciting to see, you know, so many people in our community and our network locally supported us when we announced what was going on with Jackson publicly, which we weren't, you know, I think a lot of people were like, do we, do we share this? But we were like, this is like mom, there's not a cure. We need the support and we have to like let go of our egos and accept help. And so we did and people really, I, I mean, I'm still in shock how much support we received and how much support we still receive. Because when people gave money and time and helped me came to my house and clean my house for me, brought me food, all these things while I was grieving, when we hit road bumps and things get really hard again, people come back and do it again. And I'm just always shocked. And so I'm so grateful for those people. And I want to keep fighting to show my gratefulness to them, but then also to help the community at large. So then the year that Jackson had his brain surgery, I decided to help with the march on Capitol Hill virtually. And the very first call I did, because it was all virtual at that point, I was actually in the hospital with Jackson getting one of his check-in EEGs after the surgery. (laughs) You know, the the team at my state was like, Are you sure? Are you sure you can be on this call? I'm like, I'm literally sitting in a hospital bed with my son just... Having the EEG monitoring, like, yes, let's do it. it probably be more impactful because they'll visually see him in the hospital. And I think it was very impactful doing that. And so then I've been involved with the March since then as well, too. I think that was 2021. So this was my third year. And I finally got to go in person this year. I decided to take on a leadership role in our local alliance once Jackson hit three and he rolled out of the early intervention program in our area and into the school system and figuring out an IEP and all of that and all of the hours for therapy. He wasn't just at home with me 24-7 anymore, where I really couldn't do much, but for him and do activities with him. Now there are hours that he's outside of the home and I have time to give. And so that really is where I decided, you know, I wanted to give my time to that. Of course, I, did. I have to work, I have to make money <laughs> and, and be able to pay for all of our healthcare costs and things like that. I really try to be intentional about where I use my time, saying no to things and yes to things that are important to me whereas when I was younger and just starting my career, I was that yes person that wanted to say yes to everything and do everything. And now I'm a lot more intentional. And you know, with this whole TSC journey, I've learned there's very little in this life that we control. And so much is out of our control. So the little things I can control, I try to be very intentional about. And that's my time. That's my health. So time with family and what I can do with Jackson and my husband and our dogs and spending time with people in the TSC community. And so I've just really shifted. My whole life has shifted, really, because you see everything from a different perspective after you've had your child's D-Day, their diagnosis day.
0: I find it interesting talking to you about you know how your first interactions were virtual and having had two kids during the pandemic myself it's so jarring now transitioning into you know in person events and and just interacting in ways that we simply didn't during the pandemic What was it like for you to come to March on the Hill, come to our Volunteer Leadership Summit in person this year and interact with that larger TSE community in person?
1: It was definitely very fulfilling. I mean, I will say I had a lot of anxiety (laughs) before going because like, so many people I had just talked to online for years and so meeting them in person, you're always a little nervous, but it was like everyone welcomed me with open arms and I did the same with them and it was it just feels like instant friendships and people you've been friends with forever and your family like they, they get you on a different level because they've been through so many similar experiences and feelings that you've had that are really hard to explain to others. So it really was it was just amazing. You know, we were planning to come to the world the last world conference and Jackson got sick right before and his doctors were like you really shouldn't travel. You don't make, you don't want to pass anything on to anyone else who might have any, you know, health conditions. So we had to like literally make the decision like 2 days before to cancel. So I didn't get to have that opportunity to be around with the community. So the march on the hill was really the first time Other than a few local meetups in my state, that I've gotten to be around people, and it definitely like lit a fire in me. Like, I mean, there's people there that have adult kids. You know, Jackson's still a toddler. They have adult kids and they've been volunteering for so long. And I'm like, I can do this too. You know, I'm committed to doing this for Jackson and others in the TSC community. So, and I think, you know, too, you can, like I was saying earlier about being intentional with your time, you can decide how much time you give and what makes sense for you. And everyone understands because if you run into another TSC wave hitting you and things are going downhill for a little bit and you're trying to manage a new problem, people understand that you take a step back And we'll support you and welcome you with open arms when you're ready to come back and, you know, get involved in the next year's walk or do the march again.
0: You know, in addition to getting to meet people in person for the first time, you also are honored with a Volunteer of the Year Award. First off, were you surprised that you were recognized by the community in this way?
1: I was completely shocked. I had no idea it was coming. And all of a sudden, they said my name and I started sweating. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to go up there. Like what is happening? <laughs> but I was very honored. And I I was having a little bit of imposter syndrome, because I think someone who got the award right before me has been volunteering for like 20 plus years. And I'm like, I am not qualified for this. But you know, I was so grateful and to hear from others what they saw that I did that I didn't feel like was much. I just lit a fire in me to be even more committed and to give back to the TSC community and kind of fulfill what I feel like I haven't achieved yet. So I was definitely very surprised and honored. And it was it was very special. And another person in our local alliance got an award too. So it was really special for both of us to get that award. And we were both completely shocked.
0: Thinking about that, the time that you've been involved so far, what have been some of the most impactful moments you've had or or things that you're most proud of.
1: Well, I definitely, I think, like I mentioned earlier, going to the march in BC and actually meeting with the representatives and, and senators, the people in at the Capitol and sharing our stories, that feels really big, you know, to be there and doing that. And it feels like we can make a difference. So that always feels really special. I mean, even sharing it virtual when we did it virtually is great. But being in person, it's just a different experience. I'm really excited. This is going to be the walk this year that's coming. Up soon is going to be the first time we've done it in person since Jackson's been diagnosed because it's been virtual for us. So I'm really looking forward to that. Our local committee, planning committee has been working really hard. And I think that's going to be huge to see everyone together in person because I've had so many people in my local community supporting us over the past several years, but it's been very little in person with that support group. So having people come together and being with other families in the area that walk this, this life, I think it's going to be really great, but a lot of the things we've done online have just been just as impactful. Just being able to share my story on a level, like just one-on-one with people and sharing little things that I've learned. I hope that it helps others. Sometimes it's just really hard to know where to start or where to go for information or it's just overwhelming. And it can be really easy to shut off and just want to be in your little world and do the best you can for your child. So getting out there and like trying to do studies, having to repeat over and over and over again All the ways your child is not meeting milestones and, you know, it's exhausting. It's completely exhausting. So being able to share what I've learned and resources with people and encouraging them, those little one-on-one interactions have been probably the most meaningful. I've had some get-togethers with other moms that we have talked for years and we've been like a weekend away. That was very powerful to be able to be with these people in person and just have a little bit of downtime because you don't really get downtime. You know, our life is our life revolves around med times and therapies and specialist visits. So stepping away for just a moment, it's really hard to do, but I think it's really important that we do that as caregivers.
0: So just finally big picture thinking about the future, you know, what is your hope? for Jackson and just for the TSC community and the TSC at large?
1: Well, that's a big question. I've had to like really change my mindset of like looking towards the future too much. I try to live very much in the now because otherwise I'd probably fall apart (laughs) because the future is scary, but TSC or not, none of us know what the future holds, but You know, for Jackson, kind of on that individual level, me and my husband both just want him to reach his fullest potential, whatever that is. That might mean that he lives with us forever. That might mean he's in a group home at some point. Maybe he is independent or semi-independent. We really don't know. We've kind of taken the route that we're going to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So we've tried to get everything in order through a special needs financial planner, to have a special needs trust for Jackson, and to have things in place and really understand what benefits are available for him, both through childhood and adulthood. And that's really hard to understand, too. That's a learning process. You know, a lot of local resources near me do webinars all the time. I don't have time to take a million webinars, but I usually sign up for them so that I get the recording link after. And then when I have time, I try to watch it. So yeah, we're preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. And then every time something happens that is a surprise, it really feels like we're witnessing a miracle. And that's, I think that's the only way I can do it. Because if I just always hope for the best, I might be let down too much. For the community at large, of course, secure. As Jackson gets older, it feels like we're losing time. And that's really hard. And I think a lot of people that have older kids and teenagers and adults probably feel similar that maybe it's too late for them. You know, there's gene therapy research happening, but is that only applicable to newborns for it to really make a difference? It's risky. You know, what are we even going to be eligible for that in his lifetime? And if we are, like, you know, there's so many questions about that, you know, finding new meds, but of course, meds have side effects, meds have risks themselves but I think just anything we can do to provide more resources for everyone in the TSC community to have that support and feel that connection. And then of course, the medical research to take us to the next level. You know, I think a cure is what we all want, but how, if that's not realistic in our lifetime, then anything we can do in terms of treatment and making maintenance easier. I mean, doing EEGs for us, is horrible. Like getting the hookup. I mean, I have to just hold Jackson down screaming for 45 minutes to an hour. And it's, it's traumatic for both of us. And, Like, is there an easier way to do an EEG in the future where we just do something without the cap and having to have this glue on your head? You know, so I think anything that makes lives easier is what I hope for. But I just I want every individual in the TSE community, whether they're They have TSC or their caregiver feels like they have the resources and support they need and just don't feel lost.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just speaking on behalf of the organization, you know, our hope too is that we can continue to make progress for everyone affected so that everyone can live their fullest lives. And so part of achieving that is having people dedicated in the community and having people working together to make that progress possible. So thank you for your leadership. Thank you for choosing to, to give your time to this organization. And thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. And for anyone listening, I'd love to connect. Find me online. I'd love to share stories and be connected.
0: My thanks again to Kristen for sharing her inspiring story and for being such an amazing volunteer for the TSC Alliance. Thanks to you too, the listener, for listening to the podcast this year and for continuing to support the work that we do at the TSC Alliance. I hope everybody listening has a restful holiday season and a great start to 2024. And I can't wait to see you there. Thank you for listening to TSC Now. Our theme song is Take Charge by Young Presidents. Listen to all our episodes and subscribe to the podcast now at tscalliance.org slash tscnow. See you next time.